This podcast was created on Messy. Create your own show today at Messy.fm. Welcome back, everybody. This has been long overdue, but finally, the three members of Bergwall 209 and this 209 podcast have nailed down a time in actual real history to speak to one another once more. Uh, and I'm excited about it. And, you know, I, I got put on the intro and that's the best I could come up with. So, Grant, Jacob, hop in. Um, I would like to point out that the last time we had a podcast, we had Mark on, and then we never podcast again for about six months. So sorry, Mark. <laughs> we, think- we did. We did try to podcast again. Yeah, there's there's now the forgotten pod. Yeah. It's like the Richard Nixon tapes. They're out there somewhere. So if you're a, if you're a true fan, maybe you'll hear them someday after we've gone, but, uh, we will not be posting them anywhere. Yeah. The, the story of that is I, I think like a month ago, we tried to record another episode. Yeah. And my mic connection was so bad. That we just scrapped the whole thing. But we talked for about two hours, and it was good content. We did. Yeah. I, I also believe we discussed at that time that we were going to pot every week. Oh, we did. <laughs> One of the three of us had the goal of, of potting every week. Yeah. And uh, I, that that person didn't make good on that promise or that wish. <laughs> so. But we're starting anew. It feels like, you know, a little hiatus, a little break, and every week is very attainable for me right now. So I could do it. Yeah. Um, So that moves us into our first point that Grant is on paternity leave. Uh, Indeed. I am a baby daddy. Right. Um, And it feels good. Uh, on seven eleven, free Slurpees for life. Lucy May Holbein was born. Seven pounds six ounces, twenty and a half inches. That's really that was kind of testing me a little bit. Um, She's long. Yeah. How, how long? So, also another announcement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, five one twenty twenty three. Bishop Daniel Pollard made his grand entrance into the world, also making me a baby daddy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so he was a pretty long baby. He was 23 inches. Yeah. Um, yeah. One, one nurse said, holy crap, which you saw him, um, cause he's pretty long. But he was about the same weight. He was seven pounds, 13 ounces. So yeah. Uh, I never, you, you never really care about ounces and pounds of babies until you have one. So yeah, yeah. still I don't really know 
why it matters that much other than it's something to tell people. Yeah. People want to know. Yeah. You just, you share it. People want to know. Their general general reactions are like, wow. Um, That's either a long baby. That's a heavy baby. That's about average weight. Um, And then they tell you if they have children, how much their children weighed. Yep. Um, (laughs) That's about how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a lot of meaningful information. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's where that information goes. Um, but it makes me wonder, do y'all know your baby weights? Your own personal baby weights? Oh. Um, I believe I, I, I think I was in the sixes. I don't, I don't know the ounces though, but I was, I was smaller than Lucy. Yeah. Small boy. Makes sense. Huh. Yeah, they, I, you know, I, I have, I have no clue. Baby weights mean nothing to me. It's a foreign language. Yeah. What? Great. If you had to guess Jacob's baby weight, what would you guess? Um. Hmm. If I, I, I think, I think I was a big baby. Not. I, Mark was bigger than I was, but I think I was on the bigger side. Were, were you in the eights, nines? No clue. I'm saying he's in eights. <laughs> yeah, I would guess eights too. I think that I was, was right. I was in the high eights. You were in the high eights. Yeah. Yeah. My grandpa, I found out, was a twelve pounder. No way. Yeah. And apparently, that was a little more normal back in the day because they, I don't know why, but I think they they like brought them. They didn't have as many like premature babies or whatever. Yeah. Um, so it was normal to be like. Have heavy babies, and he was a heavy one. Was he delivered like two weeks late? Think he was just yeah. he was just a, a brute force. Yeah. One thing yeah. I found out I didn't know like eventually the placenta dies, so you gotta get the baby out of there. Oh wow! I didn't know yeah, that. it's it's kind of interesting to me hearing specifically Grant and Nikki's situation. I had no clue like. How how quickly after your due date they'll induce labor, yeah. because they don't want they don't want the baby to be very overdue. Which that doesn't make a lot of intuitive sense to me, but um, I guess it's better. <laughs> I think that's a newer thing, kind of, and I also I think there's some like financial incentive there for the hospitals. Oh, big pharma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, with big pharma. Yeah, but thankfully Nikki did not have to induce. Came naturally, like the day before she was set to induce. So we're yeah. very grateful for that. Feeling very blessed. Figuring out sleep really well at this point, honestly. Good. Coolest part about being a dad, Grant. Coolest part about being a dad. Um, I feel like it's just like the little moments of. I love just laying on the floor with Lucy and just like looking at her. Yeah. Stuff like that. Just kissing her on the cheek. Yeah. And it was like, there's just like little moments that you just try to freeze time. And you're like, this is a, this is a very serene moment. It's just like with this beautiful baby completely still. Yeah. We're talking about our kids a lot. I know. Uh, what about you, F? Uh, yeah. I mean, those, those moments are great. I would also say just seeing like, 
I love introducing Bishop to people who are important to me. Yeah. Um, and seeing them interact with my son. Like it's, uh, I mean, Jake's already met Bishop, which is pretty awesome. And he is quite the baby whisperer. Uh, Jake, he's got a very calming presence, um, which I can vouch for as well. So that's been fun. Um, and I look forward to the day where you get to meet Bish Dog. Me too. Can we get that, uh, squish up? Squish up. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And I, I, I got to meet Lucy yesterday. Oh, yeah. For the first time. Yeah. And, it's been very cool for me to see you guys be parents. Oh, thank you. I would say that's been my favorite part so far. Yeah. Is it yeah. kind of weird? Um, no, not really. We've just always had a very mature parental <laughs> presence about us. <laughs> I, I I don't know. It's not that weird to me. I I don't know why. You've kind of always viewed me as daddy. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> strike that from the record. Strike, strike that, strike that. Cut that, cut that, cut that. <laughs> um, any hoozle, I feel like there's so much we could talk about. There's, there is. There's been such a big gap. Um, I think one thing we could talk about is I know all three of us, I don't know how far Jake has gotten, but I believe Everett, you finished the quarterbacks oh, yeah. show on Netflix. Yes. Jake, you're around episode six. I I'm so bad with that stuff. I've watched more than half of it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Has 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 Mariota coverage dropped off? Has what? Has Marcus Mariota's coverage? Oh, dropped off? yes. Yeah, I would say so. Okay. Well, then he's pretty deep. Well, I guess not that deep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, he where where I'm at, he's like. Did they just stop following him at one point? I mean, yeah. I know what happened in, in the season. Yeah. He's, he he is about to lose his job. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He, uh, he, they kind of just stopped. I feel bad for him. I mean, obviously he like probably agreed to the show, you know, with full intentions to complete the season as a starter. And it just, it just kind of spiraled. Um, yeah. But they I, go back to him at the end. And they talk about where he is now, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always, I thought he was kind of a weird pick for the show personally, yeah. but my guess, know. my guess is they wanted to represent kind of all, you know, facets of different kinds of quarterbacks in the league, like a guy trying to make it, a guy, Kirk would be the underrated kind of steady. And then Patrick's a superstar. Um, which they do well. Um, yeah, I'll say Kirk Cousins by far my favorite on the show. All his material is golden. Um, he's better than I thought he was as a person, yeah. Yeah. and I think they do a good job too of showing like his preparation and how underrated he is. Um, takes a lot of hits. Jeez, he takes a lot of hits. Um, so I I really appreciated that angle, and he's my favorite probably segment in the whole series is when he's at Barnes and Noble on his day off, just <laughs> just like admiring everyone's book. D Wade's book. D Wade's book. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much I love about all the Kirk Cousins content. 
Yeah. Um, I think, like, it just feels like he's tapped as much of his potential as he possibly can. Yeah. Which is, like, the most respect I feel like you can have for a man. Yeah. Which is sweet. Yeah. Um, Exhausted. But, uh, yeah, I cried multiple times in in Kirk content. The one where he's, like, singing his son to bed after the loss. Yeah. Got me. Yeah. And the speech, I don't know the name of the award that he got. Yeah, he won, like, the Bart Starr. Yes. Award. Yeah. Yeah, I got me, too. So, Jake, he's not your favorite Michigan State quarterback. Am I right? Uh, he might be. I haven't liked a lot of Michigan State quarterbacks, so <laughs> he he probably he probably is. I didn't I didn't love him when he was at Michigan State, but that's like a general theme. I would say I'm not. I haven't <laughs> been very happy with Michigan State's quarterback play. You're not sold on the quarterbacks. Jake, have you, like- you watched Michigan State football in the past ten years? In the past ten years, probably, but the last five. I don't know. Maybe it's been ten. I'm getting old. Yeah, I definitely. I, I yeah. I used to follow it like pretty. I was a big fan. I would not. I don't follow. I mean, I watch games here and there, but I don't follow like I used to. Would you say Drew Stanton is your favorite Michigan State quarterback? I, I did. I did love Drew Stanton. That's probably true. Yeah. Great running back out of Michigan State. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, well, because that's why I was hesitant to say 10 years, but I guess it probably has been 10 years since Le'Veon was at Michigan State. Yeah. Yeah. He, he recently apologized to the Steelers. Did he really? I saw that. I yeah. saw that. Well, to Steelers fans, uh, he just basically admitted he, he probably should have stayed, um, mm-hmm. which is pretty gratifying. Um, I've, what, what do you, sorry, if you want, do you want to say anything more? No, no, no. Keep going. What are your thoughts on this running back drama happening? Yeah, that's that's what I was about to say. It's interesting timing with the – I think that uh, was before the running back stuff. But Talking about all them not getting signed, that stuff? The – Jake can explain it better than me, but – Yeah. Yeah, well, it all surrounds that, and they just held, like, a Zoom meeting to discuss being underpaid, essentially. Oh, really? What they can do. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Jake, kind of go in on what are your thoughts on that, and I'll I'll pick up if I have any thoughts. Um, well, Grant and I talked about it a little bit yesterday, but I think we would both land on like it's it's just a free market, and they're less valuable than they used to be, and there's not much you can do about it. Yeah. I, I honestly don't know what they don't have any leverage. I don't think they can do. Yeah. Anything we, about it? We brought up Le'Veon because he kind of he tried the strike. <laughs> yeah, and it did not work well. No. Well, yeah, that's and it's historically it's historically not like Melvin Gordon too. Those guys don't usually aren't successful if they sit out. Yeah. Well, that's the hard part about the NFL is you have a million other guys who would love to get paid that in that position. Um, right. You know, I don't think the drop off is too big. No, no, no. I mean, especially with how offense is going, like yeah. teams don't rely on running the ball. Because didn't that happen a few years ago in Philadelphia? Like Miles Sanders got hurt. 
a few other guys got hurt and Boston Scott like came out of nowhere. And then you just realize, oh, we could play with our third or fourth string running back and be fine. Yeah. 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 Jake was saying yesterday, like, it's kind of been figured out that it's more about the scheme than it yeah. is the running back. They don't yeah. like break the tackles like they did in college, really. And... Right. Yeah. Scheme, scheme and offensive line, but not even like a single offensive lineman. Like you just need five, like not bad offensive linemen and a good scheme and you'll, you'll be able to run the ball. So what is about how things like, are trending? What about like a Derrick Henry? Like can you, can you say that he's, I, I mean, I think that there's definitely still value in some of those like really elite guys like yeah. Henry or Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's more, more like the second tier guys. Yeah. But even Christian, like his value is that he can do a lot of things. Right. His ball to, skills. Yeah. You have to find somebody who can do multiple things, not just like a, we're going to hand you the ball, you know, three times in a row. Yeah. Because those are sadly a dime a dozen. Yeah, it is interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it's a young man's game. So, like, the they thought they draft rookies, and by the time they're off their rookie contract, they're like cooked. Yeah. No pun intended there. Cooked. Dalvin's still going strong. <laughs> He's not on a team currently, but. Yeah, he's going strong. <laughs> he will be. Yeah. He's still good. He's not like washed. Yeah. No, he is. So this is about the time of the year where there's a lot of like, obviously we talked about the quarterback documentary. Hard Knocks will come out soon. Mm. Are y'all eating up football content, preseason content? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What does that look like for you, Grant? For me, is um, it'll probably just be the quarterbacks documentary, uh, <laughs> Lions Instagram, and Hard Knocks, and then talking to Jake about what he is consuming, so that I can have <laughs> condensed. I can have like the four hours condensed to about a fifteen minute conversation, which yeah. I appreciate. Wait, so is that yeah. just like you don't you don't dive deep into it like? Why is that? Um, I I really just enjoy watching the games. I, I don't know. Yeah. I like it can be overwhelming to me because it, it to me it's a bottomless pit, and I don't like walking near bottomless pits because <laughs> um, it just never stops. And I that's just is overwhelming to me. I like just kind of flowing in and out of the content and material. Um, I love football very much, but it's just like, I won't even know who's on the roster until like, I'll watch the preseason games, but yeah, it's just too much for me. Jake, where are you in relation to this bottom set to continue? See, and I, I think that's the difference between, between Grant and I is I love diving headfirst into bottomless pit. <laughs> yeah. And I'm glad I have you. <laughs> um, well, during the summer, I always have a goal to like stay away from all football content because my like I will just get way too hyped way too early in the, in the season, so far away. You got to pace yourself. Where I yeah, I 
it started to tempt me, and I've I've started to dive into the bottomless pit. We're getting <laughs> we're getting close enough, like training camp starting to where I am. I'm watching stuff. Yeah, and I got to catch up. The, the Steelers just posted like their first day of training camp stuff, and yeah, you can get really now that everybody's like, especially with their media department, they'll they'll give you as much as you want. Yeah, and, yeah. So, are you going to dive head first, too, Rob? Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, like, when when Mark and Jake and Maddie were here, we watched, like, a bunch of uh, OTA, like, NFL. The teams, like, produce their own stuff. That's, like, my jam until wow. the season starts. I'll eat all that stuff up. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, I just can't do it. I know. And I, it's weird for me to feel, and I don't know when the shift actually took place, so it's interesting to hear Jake talk about it, but, like, I was college football for my whole life. My dad coaching, just, I would always choose college over NFL. Obviously, I was a Steelers fan, but something happened in the past few years that I'm like, and maybe it's NIL, but college football just doesn't excite me as much, and the NFL has just skyrocketed in terms of my own interests, so... um like I, it's weird for me to not know like who the like contenders for the Heisman would be this year going into this season. Like I, I couldn't tell you one of them. Um, maybe Caleb Williams because he won last year, but that's about it. Would yeah. you say like are you still are you still on the college train? Me? Yeah. Um, ex- like exclusively Ohio State. Yeah. But like, I, don't, I don't really know what else is going on anywhere else other than some of the big, like Caleb Williams. But um, really, I have no idea what's going on at other places. Yeah. And I'll just watch. I'll watch every Ohio State game. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know Marvin Harrison Jr. is back. That's true. He could be a Heisman contender. I have no idea. But he's a big name that's back for Ohio State. Who's playing quarterback for Ohio State? Um... McCord, Kyle McCord. Yeah, I wouldn't even know that. Yeah, so I mean, this is this will be his first year. CJ Stroud's gone. Yeah, um, but apparently it's supposed to be good. White dude, which hasn't been a white quarterback at Ohio State for a long time <laughs> since Beckman. Uh, Ty, yeah, yeah. Wow, good, good recall there. Thank you. Or who who is uh, Terrell Pryor's backup? Well, we did have he wasn't the starter, but. Uh, the QB one from Bishop oh. Morgan. Uh, he never. Yeah, yeah. Nate Martell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's interesting. It's like hindsight's twenty twenty on that, but um, I feel like I could have seen that he wouldn't amount to much, just in terms of he's just small. Yeah. Um, and he wasn't like a super accurate passer coming out of high school. He just he's just a really good athlete. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Braxton Miller wasn't like a great passer. It was a, he was a good athlete, and they just yeah. kind of converted him. But Tate Martell did not convert. Um, yeah. So the, I mean, I'll pay attention to that. Michigan State football is very big here in East Lansing. Like everyone that I, all the circles I run in, like that's what they care about the most. And Would you, you do they care about it more than basketball? Some people do. 
Um, but for the most part, Michigan State basketball reigns supreme. Right. Yeah, Jake, when did that shift take place? You say 2013, or have, have the Lions always been more? I, I've always been more of an NFL guy than a college guy, but, um, I, I think it was when we got to college, maybe, like yeah. in college. Yeah, that well, makes part sense. of it is like you, we can't watch the games as part of it, probably, yeah. but. I also feel like I feel like college football is even more of a bottom of fifth than the NFL because there's just no continuity. Right, no continuity, and there's so many teams. Like it's it feels like nice and concise for me to think about only 32 teams. Yeah, uh, with 53 man rosters, like that feels manageable in my mind now. See, that's that's so interesting to me that you say that because I what drives me nuts about <laughs> professional sports is I feel like there's no continuity on the rosters ever. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's so much turnover. I guess the NFL may be a little bit different than the NBA. I feel like that with the Pistons. It drives me crazy. It's like as soon as I get, like, accustomed to who's on the team, they're gone. And I have, like, no idea who their replacement is. Um, Did they, they just sign Beef Stew back, right? Maybe. Yeah. It was a – it was – a bit ago, I think, but okay. yeah. Well, you got one. I shouldn't say just, but at least you know Beef Stew's back on the team. That's good. I mean, that's great. Love Beef Stew. <laughs> he could be gone. I didn't even know Cindy Bay got traded. Then I was watching him play for another team, and I was like, "What? What?" Um, yeah, but like for the Lions, I mean, would you say there's that much continuity? I think there's a lot. I mean, there's they really all you have to pay attention to is like free agency and the rookies and everyone else is going to be the same. Yeah. think about the past 15 years, you've had two quarterbacks primarily. Yeah. Well, that, that's like the only position I can keep track of. So. Yeah. I mean, running backs, they're always going to churn through, but like, I'm in Ra is going to be there forever. And their, their offensive lines all pretty much the same. Yeah. Defense, the offensive line is more Yeah. Do you, uh, this, this might be, you can say no to this, but can you divulge one player that you have your eye on to draft this year in fantasy football? That's a question for Jacob. <laughs> Man, I, he has I, a draft, uh, this weekend on oh, Saturday. It's a weird, it's a weird draft though, cause we, it's a dynasty, but there's contracts. So it's only players who are off their contracts that can be signed. So like most of my team is already filled. So it's, it's different, but. Well, this is your time to throw out MacGuffins and fakes for anybody who would be listening. Are you looking for like deep cuts or like. Well, see, the thing is, I feel like I don't want to take that satisfaction away from you when yeah. you draw a deep cut. And you know, eighth, ninth round. Um, but just give, mean, me some, give me somebody you think, like, well, you think we'll just have a good fantasy year. Who, who even like, who's the conventional wisdom number one pick? I think it depends on the scoring, but full point PPR. It, uh, I think it's Justin Jefferson or McCaffrey. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I I drafted Justin in our league last year, and he did a lot for me. 
Yeah. It was very nice. Do you know your keeper for our league? I I don't know. Yeah, you need to look at it. Interesting. I I would say I like I'll throw out since DeAndre Hopkins just signed with the Titans. Yeah. I think I think he's gonna have a good year. Okay. So no Julio Jones story for him. He's not gonna. No, I think I think he'll have a good year. Yeah. Good quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, he'll have a good year. All right, are you writing this down, Grant? No, because you know, fantasy's a crapshoot. It doesn't matter. It does. It, it yeah, it ma- it matters, but it is a crapshoot. Because I watched Hard Knocks last year, I was like, oh, I should draft Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah, it, it worked out for me last year. Yeah, yeah, he was good. Yeah, he yeah. really did work out. <laughs> he does work out. <laughs> uh, and his dad. And his dad and his brother. Uh, we were talking about um, who the best slot receivers of all time. Oh yeah, would be yesterday. Yeah, who would you say? Uh, probably Julian Edelman. Hmm. In terms of just what, what, like just productivity and championships. Yeah, that that that's a good point. That's a good point. Who's my favorite of all time? Hunter Renfro. Yeah, <laughs> college had a run for all or, or yeah Raiders overall person Hunter Renfro every day. I would honestly, if you if I had to draft somebody I had to spend time with, Hunter Renfro every day. Yeah, not even just slots. Maybe he might be just the winner of like just players in general. It's true. Yeah. Um, we we were thinking. Julian Edelman and Wes Welker, I feel like, are the... Uh, yeah, Wes Welker. I would say Wes Welker, but Julian Edelman kind of, like, took over his Yeah, class. yeah, yeah. Um, but Cooper Cup right now... Uh, yeah, well, I, I, I sometimes I forget he's... And I don't know how, but he is amazing. Yeah. He's... I mean, he's not done playing, but yeah. he put in, like, the best receiving year, like, ever, what, yeah. two years ago? Yeah. Um. Now, we had some debates about who qualifies as a, swap, a slot. Were you trying to okay. – I thought you were going to say, like, are we really watching their blocking? Like, That's true. That's true. <laughs> we, we probably aren't paying enough attention to that. It's the stuff that isn't in the statue that makes a great slot. Um, <clears throat> but would you consider Debo Samuel a slot? Oh, that's interesting. Uh, I mean, technically, yeah, but he's more just like a utility. This weapon. is what, this is the. I don't understand this. Technically, no, technically yes, yeah. but for some reason we don't want to give it to him. No, because he, he doesn't. Make, he doesn't just make plays in the slot. Like, I don't know. It's like Tyreek Hill plays in the slot sometimes. I think Tyreek is a slot. No. Just because they're small and they're that, that's the other one we talked about. Who he was trying to argue as a slot. I I think, I think that there's guys that line up in the slot on occasion, but I wouldn't I wouldn't call them slot receivers. Yeah. When I think of a slot receiver, I think of a guy who primarily lines up in the slot. Right. If you saw him on the outside, you'd be like, "What is he doing out there?" So a guy who primarily lines up in the slot, you would consider a slot receiver. Great. How many times did you line up outside in college? 
I think maybe once in my entire career. Yeah, you're a slot receiver. Yeah. You know who else primarily lines up in the slot? Who? Travis Kelsey. I think he's a slot receiver. Yeah, but, but it, this is interesting. Uh, sure. You yes. want that? <laughs> I want Travis Kelsey. Sure. He's not less than a slot. He's more than a slot. The slot? Hey. <laughs> I, I, I'd honestly give that to you more than Debo. More than Debo, really? Yeah. I'm trying to look up actually how how many slot snaps Debo had. Because even when they have three receivers on the field, I don't think he's there. I don't think he's in the slot. I think he is. I think I think it's Juwan Jennings. <laughs> Stephon Diggs. Yeah. Adam Thielen, good slot. Adam Thielen is a good slot. Chris Godwin, good slot. I don't I don't think Stephon Diggs is a slot guy either. Yeah, I think he's a slot guy. <laughs> I <laughs> what are you basing this off of? That's what I'm curious. They play it they're the second receiver, primarily. The second receiver? But you yeah. could be like, how are they gonna how are they gonna line up in the slot? What are you talking about? Saying the number two to a formation. Yeah. But yeah, because you could be an X and a Z and they could be across the field. True, time yeah. true. But that's what I that's what I think of. True. Yeah, but you but if you're like a yeah, inside receiver. Interesting. Lots I, I, of good know. slots out there, lots of good athletes. I think what you'd find is like now most people will line up people anywhere. Like just yeah, like people just line up. Like Tyreek is a good example. Like there's really not a lot of predictability where he'll line up. Yeah, they do that with Devontae Adams and stuff now too. uh, Yeah, Yeah. but that's what like I don't I don't view those guys. Yeah, I don't view those guys as slot receivers. Like Justin Jefferson Adams is a slot, but that's because not that's not primarily his position. So I found but out that neither is Debo's or Tyreek's. <laughs> I, I, found out, I found out this about Lincoln Riley's offense. You know, it's very prolific. Like yeah. receivers will literally get out there and just be like, do you want to run? Like, do you want to be the X on this play? Do you want to be the Y on this play? And they'll just switch. And wow. like defense will be like, oh my gosh, what are they doing? But it's really just, they just know every position and they'll just switch. Oh. And I was like, that sounds like. That's just incredible to me. Um, that there's really no rhyme or reason. They just they just do it. I mean, we could have done that. I think we could have done it too. Yeah. We, all, we all knew each other's positions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not super difficult. No, it's not. Um, but it makes deep, my defense are just like, what is going on? Yeah, I mean, you know the whole route. You have to know the whole route concept of what's happening. Yeah. This this is an offensively biased podcast, but even now as I'm a coach, um, like I'll sit in the defensive meetings, portions of our meetings. I'm just like, there is such a disadvantage to like everything. Um, yeah. And I just, I have no interest in coaching defense really ever. Um, you know, Jake, do you know Jake, who's making their D coordinator debut this year? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I told him this like verbatim of like good luck. I just it just doesn't appeal to me. Yeah, I mean i I would definitely be more comfortable coaching offense, but that's what the team needs. So oh yeah, 
trying to trying to figure it out. You'll probably be a great D coordinator. Um, and I value D coordinators because I think their job is really hard. But, uh, you know, as we talk about just like motioning people and doing all these different things and they're like, it just drives the defense crazy. I'm just like, I'm so glad I don't have to figure out what to do with all these motions. Um, and yeah. we just send people all over the place for no reason. It's so much more fun. I think the idea of being a D coordinator and figuring out like, this is what this specific team does well and what they want to do. And how do we take that one thing away from them yeah. and force them to beat us a different way? I think that would be kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, the, the, the like chess piece of football is, I, I like absolutely love it, but yeah, it is fun. And like the, that's why I like, I can understand Tom Brady when he like at the end, had a hard time retiring. I mean, like not from a life standpoint, but when he was like, I have now all the answers to the test. Why would I like stop taking the test? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Cause even now, like going back to high school, I'm like, man, I just like didn't know anything about football. Yeah. And now I just each year just grow with a little more knowledge. And I'm like, this is such a beautiful game. Uh, so it's fun to still be a part of it. Um, yeah. I'm jealous of you guys. Well, you can. Yeah, I, I think from like a coaching perspective, it's so much more fun for me to think about coaching football than any other sport, just because of the strategy. Oh yeah. But I think coaches have such a bigger influence on wins and losses in football than other sports by far. Yeah. Yeah, and part of that is just not just like, just like the strategy can be partly like how are we gonna get our guys to really own this? How are we gonna yeah. help them understand this? Because um, you can think of a million plays, but can you actually coach guys to do them well? Um, yeah, I mean, and finding the ways to best utilize your best players. And yeah, everything. Yeah, it's fun. Um, so this is Hudson's senior year, right? It is. Yeah, is is he excited going into his senior year? I mean, so when we talk about not being a college football fan, it's not true because <laughs> I'm a big Taylor Trojan fan. Right. Uh, it is hard for me on Saturdays because, like, last weekend – or last year, I, I tried to watch Taylor, Ohio State, and Michigan State every Saturday. Yeah. She was like, that was a busy, that was a busy Saturday. It's been the Lions on Sunday. It's a, it's a full weekend. Um, Michigan State's first on the chopping block. Uh, but I, I pretty much always make sure to watch TU. Yeah. I do. And then Ohio State would be second in priority. So I, I'm excited. I actually really enjoy watching their offense. So there's a lot of haters out there, but yeah, I think it's fun. No, I think it fits personnel. fits kind of the type of student athlete you get at Taylor. Uh, there's a reason a lot of the service academies run some version of the triple option. Uh, it's just like, we're going to outthink them. We're going to yeah. work. Um, we're going to frustrate them. And I mean, fortunately, I got to throw the ball a lot. Glad it's happening after I'm gone. But yeah. I mean, me too. <laughs> happened for them. Yeah. Uh, and I actually think it can translate to some success. So that's, that's good. Um, I do think a piece, like a piece of me is weirded out by the fact that like if they would have been running this offense when I was in high school, 
huge chance I don't go to Taylor. Yeah. And probably same for, same for you. Well, or you do as a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would, that would have fit me more. Yeah. Well, and, you came in as a DB. That wouldn't even matter. That's true, actually. That is true. But, I but came I in actually, as safety. I actually think they would have been, you would have been the type of person they were looking at for quarterback. Um, cause I'm, I'm, my pitch game is pitch, late. uh, around the back. pitch game, shovel pass. No, but like very like can handle a lot of reads and, um, athletic and can make plays and stuff like that. Cause I, that's, that's how, how you record, like recruit a triple option guy is somebody who had the ball in his hands a lot in high school. Um, and that was definitely you. So I'm glad. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. glad that it's all worked out the way I have. The fact they didn't run the triple option has led to my son's birth. Um, would have never met my wife. Would have never met you guys. So thank you for the multiple spread looks that we ran at Taylor. Yeah. Thank you, Greg Wolf. Thank you, Greg Wolf. Yes, thank you. Um, we appreciate Ron Korsmacher show. Um, yeah, who's now at IWU? How do we dude, that news. Yeah. It was kind of a blow. <laughs> I didn't even know that. Yeah. I I had a little bit insider information there. Uh, you know, once this day in Upland, obviously he's not going to coach Taylor. What's the next closest college job? You know, to stay in his home where he, I think he's lived there for like 40 years. So from that perspective, nothing but respect. But from a like seeing Corfin red and silver. I don't red, like it. Oof, it's gonna be tough. What what's he doing there? I'm not sure exactly what his his title would be. Um, but he's coaching. Yeah, he is. Well, he is the Swiss Army knife. <laughs> he, he, he is. He could do anything. He could do anything. He is. I I don't know about y'all. I mean, off the record, I have some opinions on Jordan Langs, but. On the record, um, I am happy for him and his career that it's moved on because I feel like now the rivalry can actually be in the same realm. Um, uh, you know what I mean? Not just from like a co- competition standpoint, but it's like personalities of coaches seem like a little more matched personalities. Well, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know who the, who's the head coach of Iowa now. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. <laughs> that that's more in our realm. That's more in our realm. You know, yeah. Jordan Langs, I knew too much about that guy. Yeah, that's I get what you're saying. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Hopefully it could be a, a good rivalry. I mean it was on brand for them. Yeah, I thought Jordan Langs I, I mean, I thought that was Iowa. Yeah, it was it was easy to get motivated to want to beat them in everything. That you could like yeah. them having a coach Corf on their staff, it just kind of deflates my hatred of them. Yeah. You know, it's like he's not the type of person that's supposed to be at Iowa. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. I like it. Um, and for any of you Iowa sympathizers out there, I don't know why you're listening to our podcast. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's uh. Talk about something not sports related. Okay, not sports. Not sports related. Um, have have you been 
I don't know. Where where's your mind been not sports related? Maybe it's logical, maybe it's some Oh yeah. Uh podcasts, interesting thinkers you're whatever, or maybe just T V show, movie. Yeah, I mean you're just dipping into my mind. Yeah, uh, I wanna dip in, I wanna take a scoop. Well, I've gotten I went back to seminary this summer, so that's been fun. Took two different classes, one evangelism, the other pastoral counseling. So those have been, my mind's been a lot on those. Uh, I've read a lot of books on both subjects lately. Um, very interesting. One of my assignments for evangelism was we actually went to Piedmont Park, which in Atlanta is like center city Atlanta. Every culture you can think of just throw them in a park and we like street evangelized first time I'd ever done that. Um, oh. And that was, that was a new experience for me. One that I think was more stretching than like successful. I would say like it was successful in terms of, I was very nervous to go out there and do it, but God was faithful and, um, and the Holy spirit was present though. We didn't, you know, see much fruit out of it personally. The cool thing, and this is, this is, 209 relevant. Ben Robeson, who is a fellow Sigma Baden, uh, was in my class and he lives in Georgia. He pastors a church, uh, not too far away. And we randomly walked into class. There was like 10 people in the class and he was in my class. And it was a great week of just, you know, hearing lectures, getting to catch up. He's a father. His daughter's Rebecca. Um, so we got to talk about that. But he was actually the one successful conversion story we had of the 10 of us going out. Um, he actually led somebody to the Lord um, that day. And if you don't know Ben, he's like the most sincere person. Um, yeah. Almost doesn't seem like real because he's very just authentic and encouraging and, um, and, and he's, He's just a great dude, and I was reminded of that in a in a really special way. So that was really cool, just to see kind of worlds collide, and we're like in the middle of Atlanta now, a few years later, actually doing the work of the kingdom. So that was that was a really fun experience. Um, but there's been things I've been thinking a lot about evangelism. Have you ever done anything like that? Like, have you ever had to street evangelize or gotten into conversations like that? Kind of cold call people. Hmm. I I when LCS used to take a missions trip to Nicaragua every year. Yeah. So I went one year, and we did that one day. Which that was also like, there's a language barrier too. Yeah. But like, I don't know. In a sense, that almost made it easier to me. I don't. I don't know why, but. Um, I don't know, maybe because it wasn't like as awkward, I guess, but, yeah. um, that, that is really the only time I've just gone on the streets and evangelized. Yeah. I could see where the language barrier would help. Just yeah. yeah, cut some of the, yeah, you just, when I was out there, I was just so aware of like all of the cultural weight of like, yeah, what it, I think the like, cultural yeah. barrier would help too. Yeah. Yeah. Cultural, yeah. Like, yeah. You know, like in America, when you're approaching somebody, asking them about God, it's like, you know, there's all these assumptions being made and yep. 
kind of interesting thing. So, yeah, Grant, yeah. what? I don't think I have been in a situation where I've just been on the street. Like yeah. I, I've, we as uh, like growing up at CCBC, yeah. City Baptist Church. Um, we would deliver Christmas baskets to the cement city community. Yeah. Um, so in that, there was always like a sharing of the gospel door to door with the Christmas basket. Yeah. Um, so that, that probably be like the closest thing to that, but still it wasn't just like approaching yeah. completely random strangers who are like, I think what's tough about the street too is, I mean, I even think this way sometimes when I am on the street is like, that person is going to point B. Like, yeah, they're, they're there to do something. <laughs> well, yeah, for us, like in the park, people were like enjoying our picnic. Yeah. Right. And their dog and friend that were like, Hey, yeah, my God, you know, <laughs> I know it's so hard for me to like not self perceive myself yeah. in those situations. Yeah. Um, which is. You know, it's not a good reason to not share the gospel. Right. Uh, and it, why should I care what people I will never see again, like, right. think of me? But yeah. 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 The biggest thing I, I think I took away from the class was like, number one, the urgency of, of evangelism and, um, honestly, how simple it can really look like loving people intentionally and then proclaiming to them the gospel, making it clear. Yeah. Um, but in, in a long-term loving relationship that's built on trust and other things like that. Um, that was a big takeaway, but also we had to write out like all the, the non-Christian friends that we have or people in our lives. Mm. And for me specifically, you know, I went straight from Christian high school to Christian college to ministry. Mm. Um, and the list of like non-Christian people that I have in my life directly. It's pretty small. Um, so that was a huge kind of convicting point. And it's not that I'm like, you know, uh, like, you know, non-Christian averse or something like that. It's just I've kept myself in these circles, um, that haven't been, um, you know, given me a lot of non-Christian friends. So, yeah. And I know both of y'all work in, you know, not necessarily ministry, church ministry per se jobs and, so you, your list might be bigger of just people that you know that are generally like not of the Christian faith um, that you're ministering to or witnessing to in, in your work and everyday life. Do you think about that? Like, do you think about the people in, you know? I do. I, I definitely think about it a lot. <clears throat> um, and I always, yeah, I don't know. I always have such a hard time because I'm like, there's such a power imbalance and, and where I'm at and work right now. Yeah. That's kind of, it's kind of a weird place to, uh, I don't know, evangelize per se. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I talk often about, um, my like church community and stuff. So like, there's no secret in the workplace that I'm a Christian, but, um, in terms of like presenting the gospel to other people. Yeah. The opportunity. I mean, I haven't made the opportunity. No, I mean, it's interesting when you start talking about this with anybody, myself included, it's like evangelism and prayer are where people like feel the most self-conscious. Oh yeah. Like things that are like, I'm not great at it. Um, 
And so, yeah, I say that with tons of humility, even ask that question. Cause have you, have you ever met someone who like specifically you're like, that person is very gifted in evangelism. They can just like walk up to anyone. And... Well, I, I wouldn't even say walk up to anyone. My friend, Andy, who I actually just spoke with just earlier tonight, he works for bridges, which is crew. Yeah. Um, um, he works for their international mis- like ministry on campus at Arkansas. And he's very good at evangelizing. Um, and to say he's very good at it means like he, firstly, he really cares about it. So that, that's like the first step is to have a heart for it. But then he's just, he's just good at, um, knowing when to push or, you know, I say push, when, knowing when to bring in the conversation up and then knowing when to not. Um, and then understanding he works with international students. So understanding their cultures, he really understands culture as well. Mm. and how to speak the gospel into their lives in a very particular way. So he he comes to mind for me um, as being someone like that, yeah. We, we had a friend uh, from LCS named Ben Hardy. Um, and I just remember like being out in public with him, and he yeah. would just walk up to anyone and be like, hey, what do you think about Jesus? Yeah. And he, he would just ask that question. To like, yeah. I, I like, have always thought about that. Cause it's not really necessarily, you just got to put the ball in their court. And like, yeah. And, well, I was surprised when we went out, like people are much more open to talk about it than you would think they would be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that was the coolest part. It's like, I, I think that I thought we would get a lot of like, Oh, I, I don't even want to broach yeah. the subject, but yeah, people, people will tell you where they are. Um, Jake, I mean, that's, that's kind of what your sister does every day. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say is I feel like my sister is good at that. And like you said, Grant, I feel like I tend to like self judge myself and like, I don't know. I, I think I put feelings on people that maybe aren't necessarily there. Like I think that they, they don't want to hear it or that. Yeah. I, I just don't want to, I don't want to make people uncomfortable, but I think. I think like Everett said, I think people are way more open to discussing the gospel than I realize. And that's something I've been convicted by recently. And just like the, like I, I shouldn't underestimate the power of the gospel either, or that it's a message for everyone. Yeah. 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 I think it's almost like, (laughs) I almost want to say it's like the sitcom effect or like Seinfeld, like, you don't want to be that character from the outside in that, in those shows yeah. that is noticeably annoying. Yeah. Like is, is the butt of the joke kind of, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. Like they have so many characters that just pop in the Seinfeld that you're like, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, where the jokes on that guy. Yeah. Like the fanatic, the Christian yeah. fanatic, whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Because like I, like Americans have a category for that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. You go to like a Times Square or like big sporting event. There's people standing up on you know yeah. boxes, legitimately preaching hell and brim, brimstone. Empire. Yes. Um. And and that's one type of person. But um, I've been convicted lately of just hearing from a lot of different like conversion stories firstly conversion stories like if you read them they're so encouraging but mm. a lot of the ones that i've read recently are mostly just like long-standing friendships not some like 
you know, major argument that somebody made. I mean, those play a big part, but it's like these longstanding friendships where somebody is like sitting with somebody, presenting them the gospel, um, and then talking through their questions is usually what they look like. Um, then obviously the power of the Holy Spirit to, to regenerate people is necessary, but, um, I don't know. I, I, that's so when you ask me what I've been thinking about that, I've been thinking about that a lot too. So, yeah. And I just know so many things, you know, I know so many things about the Bible. I know so many things and I've had so many conversations. It's like, what does it actually look like to communicate that to a real person who doesn't? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's where the rubber meets the road. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> one final question because we're over an hour. Oh, yeah. Um, was Jesus probably autistic? <laughs> uh, the, uh, the reason I laugh is because I sent Grant a tweet um, about this question recently. Jake and I actually, we were discussing this. We were discussing it. Yeah, yeah it's a tweet from a, a professor of ours um, from college. And he presented a really interesting idea. Um, in particular, you know, somebody close to him basically presented the idea. This person had autism, um, or was on the autism spectrum. And he was confronted by a teacher. I, w- I wouldn't say confronted, but was asked by a teacher, you know, autism will, will need healing and, and, and glory in heaven. And, he presented that Jesus was likely autistic, uh, which is a very provocative statement. So where where did y'all land on this? I, I think we, I think the three of us would be in agreement <clears throat> on yeah. this that there's not necessarily <laughs> there's not really any. I mean, I guess you could maybe make some arguments, but there's not really anything in the Bible that points to a probably statement of him being autistic yeah well you you originally presented it to me as could jesus have been autistic which i think is more of an interesting conversation yeah i i agree that's more of an interesting question the the actual statement was he probably was but the question of could he have been autistic is more interesting right yeah i mean it's dicey territory obviously (laughs) um and i just think because because now we have like be aware of our context of how do we even define what autism is. And it seems to have a a very, you know, growing definition. of. I didn't realize that the definition of autism was expanding until we were talking about this. Yeah. Um, And I happen to live with a counselor who keeps me up on the nuances of, of what autism actually um, looks like. Um, so, but based on this person's definition of the, on that tweet, it was basically that he saw the world differently or interacted with the world differently, which is a pretty minimal definition of, of autism. Um, maybe not, I wouldn't say a robust definition of autism. Yeah. No, I mean. So under, under that definition, yeah, Jesus saw the world differently. So if that's what you're qualifying as, you know, being on the spectrum, the, sure. But I think it deserves a fuller definition. Yeah. I think in the ways that we traditionally think of autism um, and how it plays out, I think there is... <laughs> this is a dicey subject. <laughs> 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 you can always choose to cut this. Yeah, yeah. But uh, 
I mean, I think I think it's fine. Like the way the way that Jesus interacted with others and, and things in the Bible and stories, mm-hmm. there's nothing to suggest something was necessarily atypical, right? I would say, yeah, yeah. For me, it's like no, and he was a yeah. <laughs> He's approachable. We can, we can talk more about this when we close. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he was—he had a very like um, could talk to anyone kind yeah. of way about him. Uh, yeah, which which I think would not mean that he's necessarily. <laughs> we're cutting this crap. <laughs> <laughs> leave it. We're leaving it. No, no, don't leave it. it. This is so yeah, I, I can't even. Yeah. yeah, it's hard to dance run, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I want to comment. Well, I guess it's confusing if I don't know how we're defining the term now. I mean, you have to define the term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, is it is it insulting? Like, I, I don't know. I don't. I, I I there's two questions in that. In his initial tweet, does autism need healing and glory? Yeah. This is also an interesting question. Right. Um, so th- the one that I probably would focus more on would be that, to, like, I thought it was more interesting because I, I don't really, the, the argument that he would be autistic doesn't really, it's kind of a non starter for me. Yeah. And, and in a number of ways of, yeah, <clears throat> he didn't appear to, to have any sense of like, otherness apart from his teaching you know teaching and healing was actually what brought on the sense of otherness in his time uh but yeah does it need healing i've I've discussed this with megan a lot um i think we'll be surprised by how many things are fractured Mm. in our lives even people who would be to use the word neurotypical, I think we'd be surprised by how many things are out of uh, alignment with God's original designs. Now, the story of the gospel from Genesis to Revelation is God using things of this world that we would discount, um, throw away, never consider to do mighty things. So, and that every person is creating the image of God. Both those things have to be, um, always at the forefront of this conversation. So there's, there's much to be said. I we're reading Harry Potter again, and it's just so interesting. Um, the whole premise of how Voldemort goes down is he just overlooks everything that it seems beneath him. So house elves, um, children, friendship, love, all these things that he has no time for because they don't seem powerful to him are ultimately what take him down um, and are the, the most powerful things. So that's what I'll say. Noses. No. <laughs> yeah, <you're looking. laughs> like, this is so obsolete. <laughs> what, are we, what are we even doing? We're wasting so much space on our face. Yeah. That's waste space. <laughs> How is this going to help me gain power? Like, I just need what you, like what your nose houses. Yeah. Which I just need oxygen. oxygen. <laughs> yeah. I don't need the rest. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good stuff. Well, boys, it's been good. Are we doing this in a week? Yeah. Manchester. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
Got me the Manchester. Sounds good. All I can't right. even think of now. He's he's di- disappeared into darkness. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's lost. My it. my uh my lights having issues, but yeah. Well, thank you all for joining us on another episode of the Two Hundred Nine Podcast. Um, we're sorry if there's just a long break in the middle because I don't think we can really expect it to be edited. Right. <laughs> but thank you for hanging out with us. We will see you again in a week, Manchester. Peace. 